0: Good evening, everybody. Cats fans, right? Luke Osberg, don't even talk to me after Mass. 30 points, dude, 30 points, right? Anyway, now that we're done with that, let me preach to you, right? Just dive into what Jesus speaks to us today. Uh, We have a gospel passage today that, that can really invoke a lot of different reactions in the heart right? and Maybe some of the main ones are like, ah, I'd better get my ducks in a row. Or kind of like, I'd better do more. Sort of that mentality. Maybe, maybe it's kind of like, wow, God's really harsh. It's kind of scary, right? Or whatever. Whatever comes to your heart. Uh, but we know and trust that Jesus speaks the truth to us. And I mean, while it's good to examine and review our lives, especially in the context of this gospel, to see where we need to grow and where we need to act in different places, there's something foundational that we have to have to solidify in our lives first. right? And I'd say this foundational principle is self-knowledge and self-acceptance. And self-acceptance comes from self-knowledge. Right? And I'm not talking about what secular society would present as self-acceptance, right? I think the culture would say that self-acceptance means you're perfect as you are, and everything you do is perfect, even if it's morally wrong. And that would undermine the moral law that God has given us and hinder our true self, right? So that's not what I'm saying. No self-help books here. No life coaches here, right? When I say self-knowledge and self-acceptance, I'm talking about knowing yourself as a beloved son or daughter who has a purpose and who must strive for holiness. And from that comes a knowledge of your limited nature. In the specific capacity that you have in that nature. That's just the reality of humanity. You're limited. You can't do everything. You can't even do what the guy or girl next to you can do. Or vice versa. You're limited. And that's okay. That's how we're made. Right? The individual substance of each person means that each of us has a distinct capacity for grace. And that each of us are called to serve within that capacity. So just, just to kind of get our heads around this, like let's use football as an analogy, right? If you're the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, who would you rather have playing on the defensive line? Micah Parsons, who is 6'3", 245 pounds and a professional football player, or the guy who hands water bottles to the team during timeouts? would you rather have to do that, right? The choice is clear because of Micah Parsons' capacity to play professional football is exponentially greater than the water boy, right? And if the goal is to win football games, you need Micah Parsons fulfilling his capacity. But does the water boy have an essential role in all of this? Yes, I mean, Micah Parsons will die if he doesn't have water right? And so while, his capacity, while the capacity of these two things and their roles are totally different, the water boy still has his own job that he must do well, right? Now, of course, all analogies fail, right? And maybe that was a terrible one, but I just want to get your mind thinking about this in the context of the gospel, right? In this parable, the master who is God Divvies out money to each of his servants, who are us, right? You guys got that. And he does it according to their capacity to multiply his money. So five, two, and one talents are given to these servants. But notice how there's no comparison to each man. It's not a greater man and a lesser man. It's just a simple statement of fact that this is what these men are capable of doing. In fact, I would say God is totally merciful in this way because he would never ask something of us that's beyond our own capacity. He knows us intimately and gives us only those things that we're capable of. So the first goes out and doubles the money, and he gets ten talents overall. The second goes out and doubles the money, and he gets four talents overall, right? But it's the third one that we need to look at. And I want you to pay very close attention to what the third servant says to the master when he fails. He says, "Master, I knew you were a demanding person, so on and so forth." But then he says this, "So out of fear I went off and buried the talent in the ground. Out of fear" This servant, who may have had a small capacity to to produce fruit for the master, rejected the master's call out of fear. Out of fear. And at this point, it really doesn't matter what his capacity was. He rejected God and had nothing to show for his fear. Isn't that the fruit of fear, nothing, nothing. Brothers and sisters, this man also rejected himself in his response to his master. He rejected his own capacity to bear fruit and to do his master's will. And so to bring this into our own lives, I have to ask, are we rejecting God's call to be fruitful in this life? Are we pushing away what He's asking of us out of fear? Do we even know what He's asking of us at this very moment? Do we even know? And another way to ask that question is are we praying? Are we, are we listening? Are we silencing our hearts? Do we actually seek what He wants? Or do we seek what we want and what we want alone and say, that's what God wants because I want it? Brothers and sisters, each and every single one of you has been given life by a God who loves you. And in that life you've been given, each of you has a unique purpose which will glorify God and save many souls. But only if you choose it. Only if you choose it. And what does choosing that and accepting it look like in our lives? Well, first, it looks like coming to know yourself as a beloved son or daughter of a God who loves you. To actually know that, to experience it, and that means you have to spend time with Him, and that means you have to give yourself to Him. When we know that we're loved as human persons, we become fearless in living our lives faithfully. Let's, t- let's take St. Paul seriously when he says, perfect love casts out all fear. And with that identity as our foundation, then you come to know yourself, your limits, your capacity to bear fruit. And in that, you come to know the will of God, according to how he made you, according to the gifts and talents that he's given to you. And with those things in place, then we can pursue God's will in our lives in a true and authentic way, without anything to fear. Will there be people who exist with a greater capacity to bear fruit than you? Absolutely. I mean, could I, as, as a little priest in Helena, Montana, do what John Paul II did? Could I, could I be one of the forceful causes that took down communism in Eastern Europe? Could I write the theology of the body? Could I become pope? Absolutely not. None of those things. If we compare the capacity for fruitfulness in the church between John Paul II and I, he's like a five-gallon bucket, and I'm like a thimble. But does that unique difference between us take anything away from my dignity as a beloved son? Does it make my mission any less important? No. I have to fill my own capacity to overflowing So that I can do the specific thing that God has given me to do in this life. And that's how I'll find joy. And ultimately, in doing that thing, that's how I'll get to heaven. And the same is true for each and every human heart. We must come to a deep knowledge of ourselves and know ourselves as beloved, and seek the Lord's will for our lives at every moment. Brothers and sisters, we can't worry about God's will for somebody else. But most importantly, we have to overcome the fear of what God is asking us to do with our lives. We're made for something beautiful. Each one of you, made for something beautiful. Brothers and sisters, if we can do this, if we can come to know ourselves and trust God fully and follow his will day in and day out, it's in that that our heart will be full. With that, I'll leave you with the words of St. Therese of Lisieux. She says, every flower has its own created beauty, the splendor of the rose, The lily's whiteness does not deprive the violet of its scent nor lessen the daisy's charm. If every flower wanted to be a rose, nature would lose her spring adornments and the fields would not be beautiful with their varied flowers. So it is in the world of souls, in the garden of God. It pleases Him to create great saints. But our Lord's love shines out just as much through a little soul that yields completely to his grace as in the greatest. What delights him is the simplicity of these flowers of the field. And by stooping low, he shows how infinitely great he is.